This week in the parish of bourses and market structure, a CSR whodunit, my axe exudes Spike's appeal and a farewell from the parish to Ed Tilly. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, episode 212. Good day, ladies and gentlemen, from episode 212. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details from our groovy new website at exchangeinvest.com. This week in bit carnage, the first stars rolled over and sought to pay back their FTX endorsement fees, just as Ma and Pa SBF find themselves sued for the stuff which includes items like $16 million Bahamian properties they once claim had arrived in their names by accident. The Binance Net recruitment drive during 2023 faced a slew of setbacks as a number of the US C-suite resigned, amongst them, strangely enough, lots of regulatory and compliance staff, and a vast chunk of the Binance US workforce were made redundant. However, the major own goal of the Binance week was their Moroccan earthquake decision. As the FT headline ran, Binance criticised for cynical crypto donations after the Moroccan earthquake. Even in the beyond Kardashian crass world of Crypto V1.0, this is impressively gauche. As some poor Moroccan family viewed their decimated home, one of 50,000, the interior mulched under the fallen stone, the good news is... Just download this wallet to access $100 of free crypto. What on earth is? Has anyone seen the internet router amongst the rubble? And do you have any charge? My cell battery is flat in Darija Arabic. Binance managed another sheer gubu, albeit these are the people who used to make headlines with their donation promises and, according to Maltese charities, amongst others, left the country without coughing up the cash or even some tokens. Of course, there was also that famous FTX Foundation where they had to photograph SBF in creative ways away from the models to mask his vertically challenged physique. But that's a whole different chapter, of course. All this in a week when the FT reported scepticism about the utility of blockchain is rising too. If you enjoyed this excerpt, you may be interested to know that you can read BitCarnage every day in Exchange Invest. Alternatively, if you want to follow BitCarnage, the daily update and happenings in the world of crypto and digital assets, then you can find BitCarnage as a substack standalone. Back in the world of legacy exchanges, Bloomberg with a boring headline consultation on the proposed cessation of the Bloomberg short-term bank yield index. But actually, that news about Busby, BSBY, is quite explosive. IOSCO would appear to have killed credit-sensitive interest rates after their summer encyclical warned that they did not like such things, reported on July the 31st in Exchange Invest Newsletter 2723. The Ice Bank Yield Index was the forerunner here, directly killed off by the FCA previously. Then Bank ostensibly copied the product that Ice had produced and placed it in the USA, where it is now apparently uncommercial. Of course, the Bloomberg communication says the product looks commercially unviable, but that is due to the existing subscribers, or is it because somebody has suggested it will soon be highly unviable due to prohibition? 
Whatever the reality of this whodunit, the realpolitik is that IOSCO have, I think, hugely blundered with an ill-considered intervention in the interest rate arena, restricting product innovation in a way which suggests there exists a monoglot credit risk amongst every form of counterparty. This is utterly fallacious. What next, in the spirit of these primary stocks, where everybody gets a medal for school sports day, will IOSCO decree every corporate rating must be AAA? However, that would leave out individuals. Can they be AAA too? Seriously, what might the ramifications be of all this? Perhaps IOSCO can show us the data to support their previous communique. Without it, we have simply daft diktats disturbing the process of evolving risk transfer. Also note there was a great article this week by GARP, the Global Association of Risk Professionals. They were interviewing the new leadership of the AFX, the American Futures Exchange. And of course, they're the last man standing these days because their Ameribor is a credit sensitive interest rate. How long will that be allowed to continue, I wonder? Meanwhile, NASDAQ have launched a study showing legacy technology and regulation is preventing financial institutions from capturing growth opportunities. It's a fascinating study altogether, with a vast opportunity evident across the market structure business. I could not agree more. Stockholm Stock Exchange, meanwhile, was raided by police in a market abuse probe. The Nordic region's largest exchange, which is owned and operated by NASDAQ, was targeted because there was a need for information from the exchange. Though this kind of enforcement action strikes me as all a bit heavy-handed. One great piece of news for the parish in personnel terms, a nice executive John Tuttle is going to stay a while longer at New York Stock Exchange to champion capitalism and free markets. Great news that he's not running for Michigan's GOP Senate nomination, at least from the parish's perspective. Not such good news, the fate of Arawak X, that's the troubled... Bahamian crowdfunding platform Cum Exchange is now in the hands of the Supreme Court. Will it be a final showdown on Arawak X? It's hard to believe from the position of our exchange advisory business, which are not insignificant creditors to Arawak X, that the platform is actually solvent. But we cannot speak to the holistic picture of their funding. Perhaps we've just been unlucky in not being paid. Anyway, October the 13th, will be the showdown at the Supreme Court between the Securities Commission of the Bahamas, who are seeking to close Arawak X down on the basis of solvency. Brexit news, the European Union states are apparently considering easing the post-Brexit derivatives clearing plan. The curse of compromise could, of course, be the epitaph of the EU. In essence, some loopy ideologue floats a daft plan, and then after some shock on various parts, a process of compromise refining takes place until an asinine agreement emerges after a zillion iterations, which leaves everybody somewhat unhappy. That process seems to be entirely at play here under the Spanish presidency. In results news this week, Singapore exchange group SGX, they reported a net profit of 503 million Singapore dollars. That gives them an EBITDA up 8.5%. Overall, not bad numbers given a listing strike, particularly in bonds, but also a drop in equities too. Deal news this week, Intercontinental Exchange have completed the sale of Optimal Blue and Empower Loss businesses to Constellation Software Inc., Thus, the final tranche of sell-offs are complete to assuage the USFTC as agreed in the post-close Black Knight deal. If you're trying to understand why you would want to acquire Black Knight or much more, you ought to be carrying a copy of Victory or Death, Blockchain Cryptocurrency in the Fintech World, my most recent book. It's published by DV Books and distributed by Ingram Worldwide. 
And while you're waiting for your copy of Victor or Death to arrive, check out our live stream Tuesday 6pm London, 1 o'clock New York time. It's the IPO Video Live Show. Catch the back episodes on LinkedIn and YouTube via IPO-vid. This week we had an epic show with a councilman of the City of London Corporation, Mark Wheatley, discussing From the City to Space. And next week, coming on Tuesday, we are going to have a show, September 26th, IPO vid 118 will be with Andres Schweitzer, and his title is going to be Trade Finance as an Asset Class. This week's Finance Book of the Week, well, it's its sixth birthday, and thus I have to say I played no role in this, but my wonderful staff team have decided that the world's most influential people in market structure, the Exchange Invest 1000, is our Book of the Week this week. The EI 1000 serves as an index showcasing the world's most influential figures in market structure, encompassing exchanges and clearing houses, along with the publication of 30 sublists covering various categories like regional leaders, women, experts, dealmakers, visionaries, blockchain, fintech, and much more. Don't forget, if you want to get ahead of the pack and find out what our new Book of the Week is, you can catch that by subscribing to our free weekend newsletter, EI Weekend. You can sign up to that on theexchangeinvest.com homepage. And of course, you can also start a free trial to the Exchange of Information, the Business of Bourse's unique publication, Exchange Invest, the daily newsletter of the bourse business. Product news this week, the London Metals Exchange LME, they're announcing an evolution of the closing price methodology. At the same time, Shanghai Exchange are exploring potential LME nickel rival products. And the big news of the week, Miami International Holdings announced that MGEX, that's the Minneapolis Grain Exchange as was, has filed a petition for the rehearing following the court's decision to vacate the SEC's exemptive order related to the spikes volatility index futures. This is magnificent news, ladies and gentlemen. The notion SIBO had any form of right to be the only volatility index in the parish, having been in any case the second movers, at least in the product field of volatility indexes, struck many, particularly in the Exchange Invest inbox this week, as being an egregious fallacy. The original judgment, incidentally, was discussed in Exchange Invest 2752, which was published on September the 4th. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. Technology news this week. Fabulous news. Advancing data democratization. The partnership between BMLL and Snowflake was announced with Snowflake, in fact, investing in the company. Great news from Paul Humphreys and the BMLL team, which gains an investor, a very influential investor, in fact, and a fascinating big data relationship with Snowflake to add to the BMLL's vast data lake. Career paths this week. Very hot news. Several interesting pieces. One good, one bad, one sad. Singapore Exchange, they've named Michael Sin as president. That's the excellent and deserved move as Michael Sin becomes the SGX president and head of the Global Markets Division, which essentially means he runs everything except indices under the new group structure. Michael has been on our radar for many years as his performance has been consistently excellent despite many issues and hurdles thrown in his way. The gift debacle were, for example, India de facto forced nifty futures out of Singapore and into India, for example. Likewise, he weathered the audacious Hong Kong Exchange's index swoop where they took a vast swathe of MSCI derivatives straight to Hong Kong. Michael is a huge talent within SGX and his promotion is a welcome move for the parish. Sad news this week. Well, NGX Group, the Nigerian exchange, they're mourning Pa 
Akintola Williams, a remarkable man. He was the last surviving signatory to the original memorandum and articles of the Association of the Nigerian Stock Exchange at the founding of the NSE on September the 15th, 1960. He passed away just days short of the 63rd anniversary of the Nigerian Exchange being founded. R.I.P. a remarkable centenarian. And then we come to, well, the bad news, sad news of the week. It really is rather sad and a sorry affair. Former TD America Trade uh, Holding Corporation President and CEO Frederick J. Tomczyk has been appointed CEO. At the same time, the job, which was previously a joint one of chairman and CEO, has been split apart. And William M. Farrow III, currently the lead director, is going to be named non-executive chairman of the board of directors of Cebu Global Markets. Why is this? Well, apparently... Outgoing CEO Ed Tilly has been ousted because he did not disclose personal relationships with colleagues which violated SIBO's policies, standing in stark contrast to the company's values, according to a SIBO statement. SIBO have said that the conduct was not related to and does not impact the company's strategy, financial performance, technology and market operations reporting or internal controls. I actually fear I beg to differ with the SIBO board of directors' spin on things, but alas... That was, well, something that took quite a long time to explain during the course of the week in Exchange Invest. For now, it's time to reflect on the departure of Ed Tilly, a man who, frankly, I was stupefied to realise had been CEO of CBO for over a decade. Such were his relative lack of, well, influence or successes in the parish in many ways. He essentially entered high office as Exchange Invest was born in his newsletter and summarily failed to learn anything much about how the marketplace changed in the subsequent decade. Then again, he didn't read Exchange Invest and that is the single best benchmark for predicting failure that I know of in the parish of exchanges. To understand more about the flaws of Ed Tilly's SIBO tenure as CEO, you need to read Exchange Invest. Sign up for your free trial today at exchangeinvest.com and you'll be able to access the archives to read this story. Meanwhile, out there in big world, ladies and gentlemen, Coco Golf completed a magnificent run to her maiden Grand Slam tennis tournament at the US Open last weekend, resplendent in a fabulous pure play Barbie core outfit which she donned to celebrate the prize giving. Which allows me a final warning. We've been talking about this in Exchange Invest for a number of weeks now. A topic that, well, actually only Exchange Invest newsletter has been tackling, but it's the biggest commodity squeeze we're going to see this year. In a little over a month, the global pink squeeze will be writ large ahead of Halloween when the cupboards go pinkless panic will rebound across global suburbia. Mark my words. All those parishioners with daughters, girlfriends, female partners and wives need to be acutely aware this is not just a classic commodity. Exchange. This commodity shortage will come complete with a full-on indoor human hurricane alert. Tantrums with excessive wind shear and speeds of Category 5 hurricanes are anticipated even to make landfall whether you live nowhere near a coast or panhandle. We give you the first pink squeeze warning in Exchange Invest on August the 18th. More than enough time to actually order something all the way from China and AliExpress. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young, builder of marketplaces the world over, advisor to exchanges and market structures, and also, of course, the publisher of Exchange Invest, the exchange of information, the Daily Bourse Bulletin. I wish you all a great week in life and markets. Catch you again next weekend for episode 213 of our weekly podcast. Thank you.
This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.